0: Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show. Defrag your mind.
1: Good evening, Maverick family. Welcome back. I'm sorry I'm a little late tonight. A late start. Normally we start around six. Tonight we're starting at seven. A couple of reasons for that. Uh, One is because I've been, well, I was sent some information late in the day. I needed a little time to digest it. It all relates to our broadcast last night with little Adolf. I mean, Adrian, the realist. I'll show you tonight why that guy is a big fat lying politician, and nothing more. Why, he's a giant hypocrite. He's a great, big, fat, juicy liar. Just like all the rest. In fact, I'll show you why he's worse than Justin Trudeau. Way worse. Uh, We're also going to... Dig into some other politics tonight with some other politicians, namely JT, Mr. Fancy Socks himself and a Liberal Party green slush fund, which has been revealed by some whistleblowers. And as a result, Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, is challenging JT to a carbon election. Don't think it's going to happen because if JT goes to the polls right now, he's going to get his ass whooped. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That boy's on the way out. On his way out. Make no mistake. Don't go away. All that and more coming up right here on the Maverick News Channel. Stay with me, Maverick family.
0: Greetings Brave Mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now, now. Tomorrow, maybe too late, too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is washing.
2: Okay,
1: guys, there is uh, something going on with the Rumble channel. So bear with me, I'm gonna run a couple of promos. I don't know what's gone wrong. It says we're connected, but there's no video feed going out to the channel. So give me a moment. I'll get this thing fixed. Just stay with me. Um, I'll get I'll get it fixed.
0: News: The
2: world is watching. Okay,
1: I have no idea what is going on here, so it's doing something really, really weird over on Rumble. Let me figure this out. I guess you can sit here and watch me work while I figure out how to fix the Rumble feed. What a mess this is makes no sense what has happened. I guess what I'm gonna to have to do is because, yeah, it, it looks like, let me just check here. It says it's a live stream. Something's gone strangely wrong. Okay, we're gonna end that stream and we're gonna set it up again Rumble is really weird and it's all, this is all happening honestly, because of all the censorship crap. So we're going to end that and we're going to do it all again. That's what we're going to do. We're going to set this thing up again. Here we go. All right. First we do this thing here where we put the thumbnail up and curse Justin Trudeau for interfering in the business of media. And then we're going to go over here and we are going to copy this and go back over here. Isn't this entertaining? No, this is not good for anybody. Uh, What else do we need? We need all this information here. I'm going to copy all that from the old one and put it into the new one so that we can re-establish the feed and we'll put it in there and then we'll go here and there and we will put these hashtags in we're going to go here and grab the other thumbnail like so and there and then we'll go here at, uh, say, this time. And then we will do that and that and that and that. And then we just need to get the keys to put into the feed so that we can get this thing, get this show on the road here. Strange, 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 man. I don't know why I did that. It said it was live, but recording and so it's done something unusual. But uh, yeah, Pierre Polyev challenging Justin Trudeau to a carbon election tonight. And uh, we'll get to all of that as soon as we get this main feed established and get the show back on the road here. It takes a minute for it to propagate. And once we get there, then we get the key and then we can get the feedback on. I appreciate your patience, folks. For those of you watching on facebook and youtube and twitch and other platforms and there's the keys right there i really appreciate your patience and there we go we're going to edit this actually we're going to go over here i have to put the destination back in there we go what a pain in the neck and you know it's so much easier on Rumble because the technology over there honestly is superior. Unfortunately, that is the case. It is a better, a better platform on the tech technology side. It is more user friendly. I don't have to go through all of these steps. Okay, so we'll remove that and reestablish the feed and hopefully we go live as soon as I hit this thing. And I believe we are live. So let me just check this. Go back over here. And hopefully, 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 hopefully we're live says we're live. I hope you guys can see me in just a moment. should catch up let me just reboot
3: and we are live
1: okay hello maverick family nobody over there yet because it's going to take time for people to figure this out but we're live
3: all right all right we're live we're
1: live i believe we're live believe we're live are we live I don't think it's running again. I don't think it's working. Hang on. Let me just double check it. Let me check. Yeah, we're live. Okay. Hello. Hello, Maverick family, testing one, two, three. This is the mothership to the Maverick family. Now I have reverb all in my head because all these multiple screens are good. Okay. All right. We're back in business. All right. Let me close this off. Okay. Finally. All right. Let's get into some news. Okay. And I know that it's going to take some time for some viewers to... Navigate back over and find us on Rumble, but we're here and we're rocking and rolling. So um, let's dig right into the first story of the evening, which is the Pierre Polyev Challenge. Yeah, yes. Pierre Polyev Challenging Justin Trudeau to a Carbon Election. Oh, this really threw me for a loop, this technical stuff. What a This is a really disjointed night. Very disjointed night. All right. Well, let's start with the slush fund first, okay? So there's um, whistleblowers at a green fund uh, want the federal government to protect them from career and legal reprisals after blowing the whistle on this slush fund. So they've exposed problems at a federal green fund and um, they want to get, make sure that they're protected from any professional or legal retaliation. So the organization targeted by the whistleblowers earlier this year is Sustainable Sustainable Development Technology Canada. It's a foundation that was created and is funded by the federal government and it has an ongoing agreement with Ottawa. It uh, The SDTC has a $1 billion fund in federal money, and it distributes that to small and medium-sized businesses in the clean tech field or the green energy field. And it, it's been doing this um, since 2021. It has, uh, I guess, a mandate to continue doing it until 2026. So earlier this year, a group of whistleblowers filed a complaint with the federal government about SDTC's management of public funds and human resources. So the group is made up of more than 20 current and former employees, and that includes executives. Now, they have some allegations, and they were validated by a recent report from an outside consulting firm. That firm is Raymond Shabbat Grant Thornton. And it was hired to look into these complaints from the whistleblowers by the Federal Department of Innovation, Science and Economic Development, Canada, ISED. So, Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne froze SDTC's ability to approve new projects and ordered reforms to the fund's conflict of interest and project approval policies, among other things, after receiving the report. And they're supposed to operate this organization, SDTC, at arm's length from the federal government. And it's not subject to the same rules as federal departments regarding the protection of whistleblowers. So this whistleblower group has raised, with the federal government, the recent dismissal of an employee at SDTC. And it says the firing was related to this external review and there's this secret recording, I guess, that was made and it has now been leaked and we have that recording for you tonight. NDP MP Brian Massey raised the issue directly with uh, champagne and he said, the ISD, ISED and the federal government are providing no protection to any of the whistleblowers, even though they've been fully vindicated by the report across all of the allegations that they made in a recent letter that he sent to Champaign. So there are non-disclosure agreements. And you see the whistleblowers group is calling for the termination of that, of those agreements, which were signed by several members of the group who are no longer employed by the SDTC. And of course, if you sign a non-disclosure agreement, you're not supposed to blow the whistle, right? And those agreements prevent those former employees from making any negative comments in public about the organization. But one member of the whistleblower group who spoke anonymously on that condition to media and I think specifically to the CBC, because he wanted to avoid any professional repercussions, said that these whistleblowers want guarantees that they will not be punished if they cooperate with future investigations. So essentially you see this fund, it looks like the liberals were funneling money through this fund to their friends. You've got um, you know a billion bucks. Oddly, when I think back in time, there was the billion dollar boondoggle that brought down the previous liberal government, which gave way, which paved the way for the election of the Harper government, and uh, as I recall, first they got a minority, and then afterward they got a majority government. Subsequent to that, but it was that billion-dollar boondoggle where the liberals back in the, that day could not account for an for a, like a billion dollars. They just didn't know where it went. It just seemed to evaporate. Well, it became pretty clear over time that that was going into, um, it was a fund that was like a for training and jobs, job creation programs. And it looked like, and again, they never actually, I don't think ever got to the bottom of where all that money went, but it seemed like it was being funneled into make work projects for different firms that were say liberal friendly. And that controversy is what propelled the Conservatives to victory when Harper was the leader. And now we have, it looks almost like a repeat performance in a way here. So this could be the catalyst for an actual election. So Brian Massey is calling for the departure of the SDTC management team. He said... The report raises serious questions about the credibility and competence of the current SDTC board and leadership team. And I have grave concerns around the fact that ISED has asked that same group of implicated individuals to investigate themselves and recently issues raised in the report. Uh, What else did he say? He said the SDTC recognizes the impact this temporary suspension is having on the ecosystem, particularly at this challenging time. This is why our number one priority is to implement the changes recommended by the government as quickly as possible, said SDTC spokesperson Jane Mary Bannigan. But we've got this. Um, so we've got this slush fund, right? So let's listen to the recording. Where did you go, recording? And of course, Polyev now. Um, because they've got this fund and then Trudeau flip-flopped on the carbon pricing and said that they would put a pause on carbon pricing on home heating oil, but not on other fuels that Canadians use to heat their homes. And so the cost of heating, carbon pricing, all of these things, they are I seem to have lost the tab. It's just been a completely disjointed night and I apologize. There we go for my, uh, my disorganization here, folks, but stuff kind of came in here at the last moment. And I wanted to share this stuff with you tonight. And here we go with the recording. Let me bring this up on the screen. And, uh, this is coming from the CBC. Just to give attribution here, this is where it came from.
3: The, the, the very preliminary uh, findings of the, the fact-finding exercise is that there is smoke around the vast majority of the allegations. We, we we said we would believe you. Now we now there's enough evidence to say that we really do believe you, um, and that means that there is that that the government is going to have to take action. There's a lot of sloppiness and laziness. There is some eroding competence, um, and uh, you know, the situation is just kind of untenable at this point. I think the the minister is going to flip out when he hears the stuff and, you know, he's going to want, he's going to want an extreme reaction, like shut it all down. No, it's, it's unlikely that certain members of the board or the entire board uh, and, and executive are going to be able to continue to serve. Like they've kind of lost the confidence. So it'll be, so really the discussion will be the, the mechanisms for, um, for, for getting, getting them out. First of all, the, we need to have control of the board and in order to actually um like have a plurality of votes if we want to go after the executive so that's like that's the stuff we're kind of the machinations are figuring out right now but the report um implicates the board in terrible ways you know um like by not following process by um not following the coi regime uh by not uh, being uh, prudent fiduciaries like
1: it's just a board failure altogether Okay, so that again from the CBC, and uh, and then Polyev holding. Uh, well, he, he spoke today, and we've got the clip here, so we'll let this run, and he can say it for himself. And so all of this related to the way the liberals are spending money, what they're doing with the money that they tax from people, and because carbon pricing, the carbon tax. Kupalyev says he wants to axe the tax. The core issue for him at this point is the economy. So, yeah, he's making a pretty big deal out of this. And uh, he thinks that it might be enough to um, get us to an election. I'm not so sure, but let's listen to what the man has to say.
4: Who's ready to axe the tax? Well, we know who's not ready to axe the tax. Apparently, Justin Trudeau is in the building and in hiding at exactly the same time. He does not want to come to the House of Commons and debate me on the carbon tax, even though he's attending his private caucus meeting. What has he got to hide? It has been... A panicked few days for Justin Trudeau, hasn't it? Last week, he had doubled down on his carbon tax, saying there would be no breaks for anyone. That Atlantic Canadians, and indeed all Canadians, according to Trudeau, could freeze in the dark. And then his his members of Parliament started pounding on his office door. He was briefed that I was on the verge of holding a thousand person rally in a former liberal stronghold of common sense Nova Scotians rallying to ax the tax. He trembled in the corner of the office, shaking in the fetal position, (laughs) begging me to cancel the rally, to take the the heat off of him. But my friends, let's not forget, it was roughly a year ago today, that you in this room, the common-sense Conservatives, launched a campaign to keep the heat on and take the tax off, and we're continuing that campaign today. But it's worse than just keeping the tax. Trudeau now thinks it is time to quadruple, quadruple... Quadruple, quadruple the tax on Canadians right across the country. Why now? Now, after eight years of Justin Trudeau, after eight years of Trudeau, everything costs more. A record smashing two million Canadians had to go to a food bank in one month. Food bank leaders say they have never seen anything like it. Diseases of malnutrition like scurvy are making a comeback after eight years of Trudeau. Seven million Canadians are not eating enough to stay healthy. One in five skip meals because they cannot afford the price of food after eight years of Trudeau, taxing the farmers who grow the food and the truckers who ship the food and therefore all who buy the food. Work no longer pays. You make it. Trudeau takes it, and housing costs have doubled, double the rent, double the mortgage payment, double the needed down payment for a home in Canada. Eight years ago, a down payment was a modest $20,000 for an average Canadian home. That has more than doubled to well over $50,000. Nine in ten Canadians now believe that, under Trudeau, they will never be able to afford A home and many people I used to talk about the 35 year olds living in their parents basements and the Liberals laughed and made fun of those young people calling them names they would cackle in the House of Commons about how these poor young people were just not making it in life because of their own failures but we know now that that's the least of our problems we have parents who now have to move back in with kids because Trudeau's policies have risen the rent on our seniors. Worse still, we have a new phenomenon, not seen since at least the Great Depression, where middle-class people are becoming homeless, fully employed carpenters and nurses living in parking lots, in cars, in Canada. Eight years ago, this would have been unimaginable. What happened? Justin Trudeau happened. That's what happened. Now we learn the news that people are leaving Canada in record numbers. Canada used to be a beacon of hope. People around the world would clamor to get into our doors. Now, when they arrive, they look around and say, what happened to this place after eight years? And they flee for the exits. And who can blame them? Because after eight years of Justin Trudeau, Everything feels broken. No. After eight years of Justin Trudeau, everything is broken. And what does he do when the heat starts? He divides to distract. He will once again tear apart the country, turn Canadian against Canadian. We know how he does it. He divides by race, sexuality vaccine status and now region. That is his latest divide and conquer strategy. As people, he wants people to forget that they can't afford to heat their homes or feed their kids or pay the rent. So he's going to vilify people in different parts of the country. He wants to turn you against your fellow Canadian so you forget how miserable life has become after eight years of his government. His latest tactic? is to charge higher carbon taxes on some people than on other people. A divide-and-conquer strategy being condemned even by some New Democrats. The NDP in Saskatchewan and Alberta have come out against the two classes of citizenship that Justin Trudeau has imposed with his carbon tax on heat. The Manitoba NDP government has, has opposed the unfairness and even BC's NDP is raising concerns. So the question becomes, what will Jagmeet Singh do? Will Jagmeet Singh stand with provincial NDPers? Will he stand with the voters who who put their trust in his MPs in places like Timmins and other cold northern communities? Or will he once again sell out working class Canadians in order to suck up to Justin Trudeau? That will be his decision. And you will have a chance to make that decision on Monday because I am announcing today that the Common Sense Conservatives have put forward a motion in the House of Commons extending the pause on home heating to all Canadians everywhere. <laughs> the money going from this carbon tax well we found out today secret recordings from a, a top bureaucrat in the liberal government admit that a green fund was giving out quote free money get this and a quote from the recording it was free money he said before making an analogy with a controversy that affected John Chrétien's liberal government in the 2000s That is almost sponsorship scandal-level giveaway. Wow. So when they said green fund, what they meant is putting green in the pockets of well-connected Liberals. A billion-dollar fund. A billion-dollar fund. While Canadians cannot afford to eat, heat, and house themselves, Trudeau wants to quadruple the carbon tax to 61 cents a litre in order to hand out more gifts and more giveaways to wealthy connected Liberal insiders. So, I'm offering a compromise to Justin Trudeau. If he'll come out of hiding from um, under his desk, I want to make a deal with him. We all know that we're not going to agree on the carbon tax. He wants to raise it. I want to axe it. We all know that, okay? But he has now admitted that taxing people's home heat does nothing for the environment and makes people worse off. He's admitted that with his flip-flop on Thursday. So, let's make a deal. Let's pause the carbon tax on all home heating until Canadians go to the polls so that we can have a carbon tax election where Canadians will decide between his plan to quadruple the tax to 61 cents a litre on heat, gas, and groceries, and my common sense plan to axe the tax and bring home lower prices, a carbon tax election. (laughs) carbon-tax election. A carbon-tax election. will Canadians will decide if they want to pay more to heat, eat, and house themselves, or whether they want a common-sense conservative government that will free them to earn powerful paychecks that buy affordable food, gas, and homes in safe neighbourhoods. That will be the choice in the carbon tax election. Justin Trudeau just has to decide when that will happen. But it will happen, and Canadians will decide, and they will choose a common-sense Conservative government to axe the tax and bring home lower prices. Yes. Yes. Mais Encore! Encore! Il maltraite le Québec aussi. On a vu
1: Okay. So will that happen? Probably not. He's Trudeau's too low in the polls. The NDP is still going to prop him up. They'll support him no matter what happens with votes in the house. And uh yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. He's putting pressure on. And we know that because he's slipping in the polls, there is the possibility, because liberal insiders have been saying JT might actually resign early in the new year if his poll numbers do not improve. And Paul Yev is really just turning up the heat today. That's what he's doing. And uh, it's going to happen. Eventually, at some point, one way or another, that guy's going to be gone. So don't despair, folks, if you're not happy with the man. Things are bound to change. Of that, there is no doubt. Okay, so let me take a quick break, and we're going to get into some Israel-Hamas news. And, uh... Yeah, and then we're going to get into this other info on what is really Canada's new Nazi party. Don't go away.
0: Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out. Of rabbit holes. We are Maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late, too late, too late, too late. Maverick News The World, the world is Washing.
3: Okay.
1: So the war. Which war? Well, it's all one big war, really. It's, uh, we're at war around the world but specifically talking about the conflict in Israel-Palestine where in Gaza it appears there are reports that the death toll has now reached about 9,000 9,000 and in addition to that it looks, like, it looks like the issues surrounding that, at least the narrative surrounding the conflict, is expanding. So in the last day, I have seen reports talking about gas reserves along the coast of Palestine. With suggestions, of course, through these reports that it's really Israel's intent to expel the Palestinians so they can control the land and the resources and this this oil that is there in fact this is not really new let me just see here Find there's there are old reports about this going all the way back well a few years 2019 Um, yeah, here, I'll show you. So people are presenting this to you as though it's some new thing and suddenly they've found oil. Not really quite true. Not, not like they found it yesterday, but certainly these issues do come into play all the time. Resources, right? But this is not new. This is an an ongoing part of the issue. So here's a Google search and you'll find it just type in oil reserves, Palestine, you know, here it is. Here's a report headline, the unrealized potential of Palestinian oil and gas reserves. That's from 2019. Here's a story from Al Jazeera, uh, 2021, June, Palestine's forgotten oil and gas resources. This is really what they're talking about. (coughs) Excuse me. And, uh, Here's uh, something from Planet Critical. It says uh, a headline, Everybody Wants Gaza's Gas. So, of course, with the politics ramped right up around this war, there's going to be talk about that and focus on that. And I'm sure that it does play a critical factor in all of this. Also tonight... yeah uh 240 holocaust survivors jewish holocaust survivors gathered at new york's new york city's museum of jewish heritage they were each holding an image of a different hostage kidnapped by hamas so the auschwitz jewish center foundation Organized the event, the AJCF says the gathering was intended to send a message of strength to the hostages and their families and express deep gratitude to the United States government and armed services for protecting Jewish victims of mass atrocity. Here's uh, here's an image for you of a few of the people involved in that demonstration. So that is from NBC News that took that photo. Actually, I'm sorry, it's Associated Press. But this is on, that's the Newswire service, and this was picked up by NBC News. So I just want to give you proper attribution on the photo. And we'll pull that down. And of course, tonight, we know that it looks now like, I think it's like a million people have been displaced in Gaza because of this conflict. About 9,000 people in total now uh, apparently killed in Gaza. What we're really seeing is war crimes, folks, committed on both sides and uh it's horrific. absolutely horrific tonight the intercept sort of a i wouldn't it's, it's it's a media operation i'm on their email list and i received this today where they they talk about this conflict oops i bring it up there it is there they say, as we write this email, Gaza's health ministry is reporting that Israel's attack has killed more than 8,000, now 9,000, apparently. who Hard to know exactly what's accurate, but we know we're somewhere between there. 8,000, 9,000 Palestinians, including thousands of children. Says, by the time this email reaches you, the number of civilians killed will almost surely be even higher. Israel has blockaded food, water and medicine. Hospitals don't have electricity. A near total Internet and telephone blackout left Gaza cut off from the rest of the world for days. According to many experts in international law, these are war crimes. Yet in far too much of the U.S. media, there is one dominant viewpoint represented Complete, unambiguous support for Israel. The Intercept is committed to reporting on the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Gaza, as well as the U.S. dollars and diplomatic support making it possible. Then they ask for money. Donations. And criticism of Israel's attack on Gaza has been widespread around the world. Experts in international law warn that it could be a genocide. Amnesty International research points to damning evidence of war crimes in Israel's bombing campaign. The U S high commissioner for human rights has called for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. But in the U S media, such denunciations are rarely even acknowledged peaceful protesters against Israel's war crimes are routinely denounced as anti-Semitic or terrorist supporters. Well, I'm also seeing pushback on, you know, from the other side and atrocious behavior uh, on the streets and efforts to censor and silence and cancel people with the uh, the Israeli point of view and, and people who have concerns about rising anti-Semitism, which is clearly out there at uh, levels that, at least in my lifetime, are unprecedented. It says here, but um in the US media, such denunciations are rarely even acknowledged. Peaceful protesters against Israel's war crimes are routinely denounced as anti-Semitic or terrorist supporters. So we said that and it says here the intercept is committed to exposing injustice, cruelty, and corruption wherever we find it without towing anyone's party line. We will report on crimes committed by Israel as well as Hamas and the U.S.'s rule In supporting israel's collective punishment of the civilian population in gaza Hmm. maybe this doesn't seem entirely unbiased to me make of it what you will everyone seems to have a pretty polarized opinion on this this seems to be this issue is is dividing people i think more than just about anything I've seen in a long time. This is more polarizing in many respects than even the pandemic was. And the questions surrounding vaccine mandates, more polarizing. Maybe it just seems that way because there's, uh, maybe it's just more even at this point, sort of a 50, 50 split, maybe here in the West. I don't know. But, uh, instead of like a minority of people, who came out very much against initially the, uh, the vaccine mandates. And then we've seen a shift in, in public opinion on that issue as the pandemic has waned. But anyhow, you've got my point, And you'll have your own opinion on it based on what I just talked about and other information that you have. And hopefully you have a lot of that. Uh, okay, so... As a result of all of this, of course, a lot of people are being pushed out of Gaza, Palestinians. Where are they all going? Well, into holding areas, I guess, essentially at the moment. And where are they going to end up? Well, we told you about um, you know, a proposal. I think it came from the White House a couple of nights ago to move move them out of there permanently to other countries. And uh, it looks like, you know, Canada, one of the countries top of the list, of course, to take a lot of these Palestinian refugees. I said the first day that when the war broke out, and I said, and cue the immigration, it's coming. And we're now hearing about it. And it looks like canada could take as many as half a million that's the word out there nothing finalized yet but the federal government in canada is uh they say that they are going to level out the number of new permanent residents in canada around 2026 at the moment we're taking record levels of new immigrants every year at around 1 million. Of course, Canada, just a few years ago, we had a population of about 30 million people. Now we're up to about 40 million. And you know where most of that has come from? Immigration. A million people a year, just shy of a million every year. And they've been doing it since Trudeau came in into power eight years ago at a at unprecedented levels. We took a lot of immigrants before he was elected. And since then it's gone way up, way up Harper conservative party in power before they were sort of the, the cork in the bottle. They were limiting the amount of immigration, but as soon as Trudeau came in, that cork came out and it's been a pretty free flow since then. That is That's been one of the cornerstones of liberal policy. Well, now they're saying, and I think this is also, honestly, election talk. They're saying that they're going to level out immigration by 2026. So Immigration Minister Mark Miller announced the new immigration targets today. 485,000 permanent residents in 2024, 500,000 in 2025 and 500,000 in 2026. The actual immigration numbers, if you go and look it up and you look at the graphs year over year over year, it's between. it's been between, as I believe, somewhere around 800,000 to almost a million a year. And if you think that those numbers are actually gonna hold at 485 and 500,000, in 2024, 2025, 2026, think again, especially with all these wars going on, or the war, the world, the third world war, we're going to see a whole lot more of it here in Canada. You're going to see it in the States too. And we're seeing, of course, the, the border problem with Mexico. And it looks like a lot of Palestinian refugees have already started to find their way to that southern border in the US with Mexico. And they're finding their way in there. A lot of concerns about that. A lot of concerns about maybe terrorists hiding in among the masses of people getting into the country. People talking about, you know, the possibility of even terrorist cells being activated here. And I'm sorry, but when you bring people from other countries here, of course, they're bringing everything with them. Whatever possessions they can bring, plus their religion, their culture, their values, their morals, their problems, and their assets. Everything that they are, they bring. And it changes the fabric of our society. It's inevitable. They come in. They're who they are. They're unique individuals, but they also come from a group of people that have a set of common attributes. And then that shifts and changes the fabric of our society. So you bring a lot of Palestinians here, you're going to have a population that is more Palestinian. And if you have I mean, I don't know why liberals can't wrap their head around this fact that when people, if you, if you take a bunch of people from Palestine who have certain attitudes toward Jewish people and bring them here, those attitudes are not going to change as soon as they touch Canadian soil. They're not going to automatically think like other people who already live here do because they've come from a different environment a different set of cultural experiences Uh, they've been living they've been bombed right and canada is publicly supporting israel in this conflict so how do you think they're going to feel about coming to canada living under a Trudeau liberal government that has been supporting Israel, which just bombed them and forced them out of their homes. And so now they're coming here. You think about it. A Canadian attitude would be, aren't you grateful that we let you come here? Some of these people, I think, might actually look at Canada because of Justin Trudeau as being one of the villains in this. So really what it is, is it's somebody kicked you out of your house and then said, yeah, you can move in over here, pack your bags, come on over here. You see? I don't think, most Canadians, I don't think, think this way. In fact, I don't think many Canadians, even tonight, are thinking about this at all. They might still just see this as some faraway war in a faraway land that they don't really have to worry about. But I'll tell you, we are on the verge of a third world kinetic war because of everything going on over in Israel, Palestine tonight. Here's Mark Miller, the immigration minister in Canada. I have a very brief clip from him. Let's listen to what the man has to say about this issue. This is one of uh, JT's uh, main guys, cabinet member, immigration minister Mark Miller.
5: Our worker, and this is an important statistic, our worker to retiree ratio has dropped from seven to one since I was born 50 years ago to nearly three to one now. If we don't welcome more newcomers, that number will approach two to one in decades ahead, and that'll put our infrastructure and keep programs like our healthcare and our education at risk. I'm pleased to share that Canada intends to maintain its target of welcoming 485,000 new permanent residents in 2024 and 500,000 in 2025. Starting in 2026, the number of newcomers we aim to welcome will stabilize at 500,000, allowing for a sustainable population growth. These immigration levels allow us to bring in the skills and talent we need to fill the labour gaps and ensure Canada's economic prosperities, help families reunite and remain a leader in refugee resettlement. They're keeping us with our long-term focus on economic growth with roughly 60% of the permanent resident emissions dedicated to the crucial economic class. We're also committed to expanding efforts with key federal departments to align governmental priorities in our planning efforts in order to account for Our capacity uh, to accept, including uh, immigration that is having pressure on housing. This approach will lay the foundation for a more integrated planning and coordination as a country. While today's announcement is about permanent resident levels, uh, a whole of government approach also means taking a close look at temporary resident immigration and making sure they align with our capacity to ensure sustainable growth. This is something will be looking at more intensely going forward. We've consulted widely on both the number of permanent residents in Canada uh, and the number that we should welcome and the balance between the categories of the newcomers. We look at perspectives and priorities of federal partners, regional representatives, indigenous community stakeholders, as well as the general public. These immigration levels will help set the pace of Canada's economic and population growth while moderating its impact on critical systems such as infrastructure and housing.
1: Well, you can make up your own mind on it. I think we've had too much. It's just, I'm not against immigration. I just think it's too much because the system can't absorb it all. I don't think it's fair to the people that are coming here. I don't think it's fair to the people who are already here. The government keeps talking about they need it for sustainability that we need to fill these jobs The truth is, this is putting downward pressure on the value of labor because they're bringing in so much unskilled labor through immigration. It means that labor prices go down and then we can't keep up with the expansion of infrastructure and services to properly take care of all the people who are here already, let alone the new people. are coming into the country talks about you know hospitals and education when you bring in newcomers from other countries it puts an incredible amount of strain on both of those systems the healthcare system and the education system think about it when someone comes from Palestine they don't speak English and then you put them into the public school system you need to accommodate them teach them English or French or both. So you need someone who maybe understands their language so that they can help them properly while they're here. And if you bring in a lot of people like that, then where did the translators come from? Do you have enough schools? Do you have enough hospital beds? We don't. Right now we don't have enough capacity in our healthcare system. Well, we need more doctors. Well, are you bringing in doctors? Mm, not really. And right now, even if you do bring in doctors, they're not certified. And the standard that Canada sets for licensing doctors is different than the standard that is being used in, in other countries. So Paul Yev has addressed that. He wants to fast track a lot of these folks, but you hear what i'm saying i uh and and housing prices through the roof and that is largely that is not just because of the money printing which de- devalues what your money is worth it's because there's more demand for houses and they can't build them fast enough and there's too much red tape anyway and you bring in a million people a year i mean a million people or 800,000 in a country of this size with the population base that we have that is like the city of London, Ontario, times three. So you have to build an entire city of London every single year, essentially. Maybe not the entire city, but you need to have enough housing, enough health care, enough roads, enough everything to accommodate the population of London, Ontario, where I grew up. Times three every single year. That's a lot. We're not keeping up, but some people are getting rich off. And if you're in the new home construction business or the condo construction business or you're even in the car business, everything it just increases demand for everything because you have more people. And we have a society where Birth rates are down because of a combination of factors like birth control, cultural engineering, so that people no longer value marriage and raising families like they used to. And women are waiting until they're older to have children and not having as many children because of new cultural norms. That have been established here, you're getting the picture. Everything is changing, man. But yeah, look for more immigration because of this situation in the Middle East. They're coming. They're coming right here because at the end of the day, Canada always takes them. We always take the refugees because we're a kind, caring people, a kind, caring country and generous we take everybody here i'll say this too you know i think that you know who should actually be looking at taking some of these uh, these refugees russia they're a player in this so is china some of these other countries that you know are involved too they should be stepping up and uh if, if we're going to, you know, as much as we see these other countries, oh, we want peace. Yeah, well, when it comes to geopolitics, and nation states, they all have their own national interests in mind when they sit down and engage in discussions or negotiations or political posturing. And sometimes when people say they want peace, when they're world leaders, they may not actually be pursuing peace. It may be a a strategy to say they want peace when really they're just saying it because it's to their political advantage to say that. That's just the truth. Don't go away. More coming up right after this.
0: We mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching.
2: The New World Order, Government Overreach, The Great Reset, Mainstream Media Lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed donate now, at freedomreporters.com, that's freedomreporters.com, Maverick News, the antivirus program, for your mind.
3: Okay, so what
1: else do I have for you tonight? I think we've covered most of the news of the day that I really wanted to get to with you. I'll check back in here in a moment, I guess, or at the end of this next thing to uh, make sure we're not missing any breaking news for you. But I did want to bring to your attention something related to last night's broadcast with Adrian Thomas, Adrian, the realist, who isn't very real at all when it comes right down to it. And I don't, uh, I don't even really want to give this much, too much attention. But because of what happened last night, I feel compelled to Because he's a big, fat, juicy liar. (laughs) And a hypocrite. Because he sat there last night, Adrian Thomas. Adrian, the realist. First of all, he said he wanted to come on this program to talk about the Indian Act. And a protest he was going to have about it. But it became clear that he really just wanted to talk about his fascistic neo-Nazi ideology and his Nazi symbols like the swastika that uh, he's put on a flag. So we had this discussion again with him and he's really using this platform to promote and advertise his racist views. Um, Again, not acting really in good faith in my estimation when he came on the program last night. And I was you know trying to give him a lot of latitude to discuss the Indian Act, but it turned into something darker. And why did he want to do it? It's because he wanted to make it known that he's establishing a party. the Thunderbird Party, the Thunderbird Nationalist Party, or naturalist. Nationalist Party, the TNP. See, and when I asked Adrian, what do you stand for? We finally dug down and he finally admitted that he really was looking for an ethno-nationalist form of government. And he seems to have some backing which is concerning, and he has an agenda, and he has, well, he didn't really want to talk a lot about specifics last night, did he? No, they never do. But what I have tonight is a copy of their party platform. And while he sat there last night and said that the system is entirely broken and repeated again telling everybody that your vote doesn't matter, because the system is broken. So why even bother to vote? (laughs) And talked about tearing the system down and replacing it with some sort of a republic. And also saying that maybe it's time for a dictator Maybe, maybe, he said, maybe we do need a dictator. And he said that we need a monster. Well, there was a monster who came to power in Germany. And you saw him in action in World War II. His name was Adolf Hitler. He was a monster. He was also a dictator. He got himself elected. Then he abolished democracy. Took the voice of the people away. A lot of people in the chat last night. Haven't seen them in there before. And they were coming down pretty hard on me. I'm here to support Adrian. Well, I thought, let's take a look at what this guy really wants to do. Because he does have some people following him now, which is very concerning. And he's definitely trying to take advantage of capitalize on this rise in anti-Semitism and use the division that has resulted from the war in Israel-Palestine. He's using it. Well, here's his platform. Let me bring it up here for you. And this is why I'm calling him out tonight for what he is he's just another politician nothing more well he is something more he's a very dangerous politician very dangerous indeed because of the ideology that he is bringing to bear here and uh he has openly admitted on social media that um his ideology, he said, I, he said, I found a clip, and I, I don't have it queued up here right now, but there is a clip out there of him saying exactly this. He says, I'm sorry, but we have to do this. Um, we need this. It be just like Nazi Germany. That's what he said in the clip. I've been looking for it. I found it earlier today. I don't have it queued up because of all the dysfunction that's been going on around here today. But, uh Yeah. That's what he says. Maybe I'll find it here before we're done tonight. But in any event, let me just bring this here for you. Okay. No, we don't want that one, Rick. We want this one. Not that one. Not this one. I had the whole thing just here just a second ago. Let's bring it back up here again. Where did it go? That's not right. This is what we want right here, I believe. Yep. Okay. Try one more time. Sorry. Everything here is very disjointed tonight. But I've got it for you. So we'll bring it up. There it is. Here is... Oh, it just keeps popping off the screen. I don't know why. Let me pull that down. I don't know what the heck that is. Oh, my, 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 Oh, it wants to play the various screens. Okay. I'll read to you. this thing because it wants to play video. That's why. I'll tell you what, let me take a quick break and I'm going to fix this so that I can show it to you on the screen. I'd like you to be able to see this as well as read along with me. So just give me one moment and I'll convert it into text instead of video so that you can see it properly.
0: Greetings Brave Mavericks, our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News Maverick, Maverick News Defending Free Speech Free Speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com Do it now. now Tomorrow maybe too late too late too late, too late. Maverick News The, the world is washing
1: Okay, I've got her under control here, I think. (laughs) Sort of. Let's bring it up. There it is. Now it's text, not video, so it's not going to flip between screens. Here we go. Okay. Let me show you why Adrian is a hypocrite. So he says, system's no good, completely broken, has to be thrown out, needs something completely new don't bother to vote all the same crap we keep hearing from you know various people okay so is this going to scroll for me or not anyway maybe not maybe it's not a control anyway says uh so this is his party he's gonna he's, he's gonna start a political party called the thunderbird naturalism party And last night he acknowledged that this is really a nationalist party, a national socialist party, which is what the Nazis were in Germany. National Socialist Party. The Thunderbird Party of Canada was formed with the goal of promoting Canadian independence and national sovereignty. Hmm. The party believes that Canada should be a self-determining nation free from foreign interference and that its citizens should be able to shape their own destiny without outside influence. That's what a nation state is. And in fact, we have our constitution which was brought to Canada in 1982 and we actually have the ability, uh, the legal right to amend this any way we want now, because since 1982, that is what, uh, what patriating the constitution was about that, and we are a sovereign nation state. The Thunderbird Party of Canada was founded with the goal of promoting Canadian independence and national sovereignty, with and the protection of Canadian culture and identity. The party believes that Canada is the most resource-rich country in the world, and that its citizens should be the primary beneficiaries of these natural resources. Hmm. Okay. So let me pull it up here more. So it says the Thunderbird Party advocates for economic policies that prioritize Canadian interests and promote domestic growth. These all sound, you know, pretty noble and certainly nationalistic and Canada first. And so far, it doesn't bother me. Donald Trump is America first. And I, I agree that in many respects, Canada should be Canada first. But... Keep reading. The party believes in reducing foreign ownership of Canadian resources and industries. And he said last night that he would actually like to nationalize industries. What does that mean? He actually wants to have the government own all the resource-based industries and agriculture. And even if he's allowing ownership, it's still total government control. Incentivizing domestic production and reducing barriers to entrepreneurship. He's got a lot of barriers in here. I'll tell you that. The party also believes in a return to the gold standard in currency, which the party argues would provide greater stability and security for Canadians' financial well-being. Yeah, I think I would have more to say about that um, if he were to reveal more of the details of what he really means. Um on his. Monetary policy. The Thunderbird Party believes in close collaboration and partnership with Canada's or Aboriginal communities. The party seeks to dismantle the Indian Affairs and Northern Affairs Act, which he was supposed to talk about last night, didn't get too far with it, which they argue perpetuates racial divides and holds Native peoples captive. He, I think, is actually putting First Nations sovereignty in jeopardy because what he really wants to do is get rid of the Indian Act and get rid of the treaties essentially. Now he says that, you know, they would still kind of honor those things, but you get rid of the Indian Act. He doesn't want, he doesn't want the government to pay anything anymore. He wants to, he doesn't want it. He views it as, I don't know, dependence, which is true. But if there are treaties in place, I believe that we should still honor them. What he's doing is he's putting all of that out the window. Now, yes, First Nations peoples in Canada abused, absolutely. The treaty's not properly honored over time, absolutely. But a lot of progress has been made in recent years, over the past couple of decades, especially, certainly since the 80s. A lot of progress has been made to improve the quality of life and address these issues. You're seeing it. The Thunderbird Party's platform also includes a focus on investigating any special interest groups and dismantling any foreign interferences in Canadian affairs. What does that even mean? i um, not sure the party believes that Canada should have a strong and independent foreign policy and that the country should prioritize its own interests in international affairs. So I guess basically not be a puppet of the United States. Well, OK. And then there's pragmatism and reality and the fact that we do live next door to a superpower. So good luck with that, Adrian. Um, you're going to have to take that into account one way or another. That's not realistic. The Thunderbird party is led by a council of elders who are committed to promoting the moral values and prosperity of Canada. The council of elders is responsible for ensuring that the party's platform is aligned with the interests of all Canadians and for promoting policies that benefit the country as a whole. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, so the party is taking its direction from a group of elders whom I don't know if they're elected or not. One of the key components of the Thunderbird Party's platform is the promotion of Canadian culture and identity, whatever that is. Canada is actually made up of a variety of cultures, especially today. The party believes that Canada's unique heritage and and diversity should be celebrated and protected, and that the country should be unified under a shared vision of Canadian values. That'll be one heck of a challenge, Adrian. The country is really struggling with that. As I've said, you know, the prime minister will tell you that diversity is our strength. I keep saying diversity is our challenge. Canadians are rising to the challenge. I'm not hearing too much yet that has me too concerned, but there's a lot of naivete in here. The Thunderbird Party also advocates for economic policies that prioritize Canadian interests and promote domestic growth. This includes a return to the gold standard and currency, which the party argues would provide greater stability and security for Canadians' financial well-being. Additionally, the party supports policies that incentivize domestic production and reduce barriers to entrepreneurship with the goal of creating more jobs and economic opportunities for Canadians. And this all sounds fine. And yet, as I go further and look at this more, you're going to see in here that there are a lot of contradictions. And I think really what he's doing here is he's touching a lot of cliches. And they put some thought into this, but there's some serious problems here. Overall, the Thunderbird Party of Canada was formed to provide a political voice for Canadians who believe in national sovereignty, cultural identity, and economic prosperity. That's lofty things. All very broad. Not a lot in specifics here. The party's platform reflects these values and seeks to promote policies that benefit all Canadians while protecting the country's independence and unique identity. Well, What do you mean by unique identity and how are you going to protect that? Which identity? First Nations identity? Polish identity? Chinese identity? Japanese identity? Scottish? Which identity? French? English? Again, good luck with it, man. The the French and the English barely have ever been able to get along in this country. And now you have a lot more people from all over the world. This is an experiment, my friend. And how do you define Canadian culture and Canadian identity? Well, unfortunately, the prime minister seems to think that Canada has no identity. I think that it does. But I think that it's also unique from region to region. And how are you going to protect that? I don't know. When you sat there and talked about The purity of your race, essentially, and expressed and had expressed outright concerns about the Jewish people. I wonder how you're going to preserve and protect your cultural and the unique identity of the country. Party platform. The Thunderbird Naturalism Party or Nationalist Party is committed to creating a society that respects the natural world, promotes Native American ideals and upholds the principles of natural law. Hmm. The principles of natural law. Our party platform is based on unity, spiritual freedom and a deep respect for the environment and its inhabitants. Sounds pretty lofty again. Our policies are informed by the belief of interconnectedness, sustainable development, and the inherent value of all living things. You know what this sounds like? Sounds a lot like the new world order. Sustainable development. Where, Where have I heard sustainable development goals? SDGs. Same damn language. The principles of natural law. This is sovereign citizen, common law, natural law, rhetoric. We have codified law based on a system of common law in this country. And the reason for that is because it means the laws are written down. And that's why they say there is no excuse. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Because there's a book with all the laws written in it. And there are precedents set for each of these laws based on what the outcome of a, of a legal case has been. The result is that you know that it's illegal to kill someone, to murder someone. And you know that you can go to life, to get life in prison for it. Because why? It's written in a book. Natural law? I'm not sure what he means by that. I mean, I do know what he means, and largely what these things mean is it's like the Ten Commandments kind of idea, although he's not big on Christianity. Doesn't like the cross. With codified law, you know what the speed limit is, okay? If you have a natural law system, uh, some of these things are maybe not so well-defined. You might not, there might not be a You throw the system out, you're not gonna know what the speed limit is. And if in order to know what the speed limit is, you're gonna need to codify the law. And that's not natural law. That's what we have. It's codified law. Bylaws, NDP shall be governed by a national committee consisting of a chairperson, vice chair, chair, blah, blah, blah. So they've got a committee, national committee will meet once a year to discuss party affairs. So this is all, you know, housekeeping kinds of stuff. But here's my thing, folks. At the end of the day, Adrian is just a politician. And this is a guy who's been consistently telling people that the system is broken. Well, what's he doing here? He's engaging in the system. He's creating a political party. He wants you to vote for him. And his candidates whenever he gets it all together. So this is a guy who wants to tear down the system because the system's no damn good, but he's creating a political party, which is part of the system. And he's already using words like sustainable development, which is exactly what we're getting from the neoliberal progressives like Justin Trudeau and the New World Order and the World Economic Forum. It's exactly the same. Membership in the TNP is open to any individual who supports the party platform and agrees to abide by the party bylaws. Hmm. Join at any level, state level or both. Uh, State level. Yeah, we don't have states. We have provinces. So that tells you right there that uh, if they get into power, they're going to work to establish some sort of a republic which is what he said last night. member roles you got your chair vice chair State committee representatives, state committee representatives shall serve as liaisons between the National Committee and the respective state committees. So goodbye provinces hello states and you know you'd okay. So they're t- they're t- he's talking about throwing the system out for sure. And last night you heard him say, might be time for a dictator, a republic, not a dominion. Policy priorities, environmental protection, the TMP will fight for strong environmental regulations, clean energy, and sustainable land management practices to protect our planet for future generations same language as Justin Trudeau sustainable land management native american rights we will advocate for the recognition and protection of native american rights including land rights cultural preservation and self-governance again broad sweeping statements you get into power and you're going to need to deal, be dealing with what, 600 different bands across the country, just like the current government, and because you've now thrown out the Indian Act and because you've now thrown out maybe the treaties, you're going to be starting from scratch. And what does that look like? I don't know. I don't think he does really either. Animal welfare. We will work to strengthen animal protection laws, promote humane treatment of animals, and support policies that prioritize the well-being of all creatures. Does that mean I don't get to eat cows? Spiritual freedom, even though last night he made it clear he doesn't like the cross, doesn't like Christians, doesn't care for Jews, doesn't like Judaism, but says here that they will champion the right to spiritual expression for all individuals and promote policies that respect diverse religious beliefs and traditions. Okay, sounds good, but that is a direct contradiction to what he said last night. Community empowerment, we will support policies that promote local decision-making, empower underrepresented communities and foster unity and cooperation among all members of society. Unity. Unity in what respect? You know, because when I keep hearing people talk about unity in this country anymore, at least within his ranks, unity equals polarization. It means pick a side or pick a group. That sounds like identity politics to me. The Thunderbird Naturalism Party will adhere to Elections Canada rules to ensure fair and transparent participation in the democratic process. This includes the following. They're going to adhere to Elections Canada rules to ensure fair and transparent participation. This is a guy who just said the system is completely corrupt and can't be fixed. So why is he even starting the party to begin with? And why is he... Registering his party with Elections Canada. Why is he doing this in a system that he says is beyond repair? He's contradicting himself. He's full of crap. He sat here last night and said those things. And then people in the chat said the same thing. The people that he brought with him, his chat trolls, they said, well, you know, Rick, that the whole system is broken. because you know what they really want to do. Compliance with Election Canada rules. Registration, they're gonna register with Elections Canada. They're gonna provide all the documentation. They're gonna completely comply with Elections Canada and start their own political party. Candidate nomination, they'll follow all the Elections Canada guidelines for nominating candidates. They're just gonna be another political party. Campaign financing, they'll comply with campaign financing rules as set forth by Elections Canada. They're just going to be another cog in the system, another another political party. He's just a damn politician. Third-party advertising, they'll follow all election Canada's regulations regarding third-party advertising, ensuring that any advertising supporting the party or its candidates is properly registered and reported. Well, that's great. Welcome to the system, my friend. Voter information and accessibility. They'll provide voters with accurate and up-to-date information about the party platform and electoral process. The party will also strive to make all campaign materials, events and voting stations accessible to all Canadians. They have an electoral strategy, which involves grassroots campaigning, which is what politicians do. Um, Indigenous representation. The TNP will actively work to increase indigenous representation within the party and among its candidates to ensure that native American voices are heard and respected policy, advocacy, candidate recruitment, get out the vote efforts. So this is all strategy, strategy, Financial transparency, they'll make all their financial records available to members of the public, including information about contributions, expenditures, and budget allocations, which is what all the parties have to do anyway. Decision-making transparency. They'll provide clear explanations for its policy decisions, and yet he really has been kind of murky on a lot of stuff when we've been interviewing him. This is the most detail I've been able to come up with, and that's because we have his party platform right here. Conflict of interest disclosure. They'll require members in leadership positions to disclose any potential conflicts of interest and recuse themselves from decision-making processes where necessary. Okay. So they're going to be the honest politicians. Even though he's already been lying to us. Public relations rules. Media engagement. The TNP will engage with the media in a transparent and respectful manner, providing accurate information about the party's positions and activities. Hmm. Will you? Because it doesn't sound like you want to talk to the mainstream media at all. Social media policy. The TNP will maintain an active and professional presence on social media platforms, adhering to guidelines that promote respectful discourse and prevent the spread of disinfo- misinformation. How are you going to prevent the spread of di- misinformation, Adrian? You know what that sounds like? Sounds like Censorship. They're going to prevent the spread of misinformation. You know who talks like that? Justin Trudeau and his neoliberal woke mob. Spokespersons. The TNP will designate official spokespersons to represent the party in public forums and media appearances, ensuring that they are knowledgeable about party policies and adhere to party messaging guidelines. In other words, he's going to put a muzzle. on his party spokesperson and all the people in the party, so that they're only allowed to say what he or the party approves of. So only the approved narrative will be a permitted. So if you join the party, you have to toe the party line. That's why parties have whips. The party whips. But if it's a republic, I don't know. Who's the whip, Adrian? You? Suddenly they're muzzling now their own party members, ceremony practices, ceremony practices for member leaders, inauguration ceremony They'll hold an inauguration ceremony for newly elected leaders, symbolizing their commitment to the party and its principles. Sounds like indoctrination, cultural and spiritual recognition, TNP will incorporate Native American cultural practices and spiritual elements into its ceremonies, honoring the party's commitment to indigenous ideals and values, which would certainly play right into and reinforce the ethno-nationalist leanings and ideology that that are coming to bear here on this new Nazi party for Canada. Leadership renewal ceremony. The TNP will conduct a renewal ceremony for members every two years, reaffirming their dedication to the party's goals and the communities they serve. Passing the torch ceremony. Everything's very ceremonial. It's, um, you know, it's not just a party. It's not just an ideology. It's a God darn religion. By implementing Transparency Act's public relations rules, rules in other words, you're only allowed to say what we allow you to say. And ceremonial practices, sounds like a cult. The Thunderbird Naturalism Party aims to foster a culture or a cult of openness, accountability, and respect for the diverse traditions and values that inform its work. The Thunderbird Movement Party. Oh, the National Farmers' Constitution Act. Workers of the world unite. A federal policy for Canadian growers and farmers. Uh, here's the preamble. Uh, yeah, recognizing the vital role of farmers, growers, ensuring food security, economic prosperity, and the well being of Canadian communities. Dun, 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 dun. This National Farmers Constitution Act is hereby established to protect the interests of Canadian farmers, promote domestic food production, and achieve food independence with the objective of revitalizing. Yeah, I know. I know. We talked about it last night. He wants government control over agriculture, he wants to have food independence. Well, you know what? That's going to change things a whole lot for farmers. Do you know why? Because we're commodity based. And commodities are traded all around the world. And you're going to run into a whole lot of problems if you try to change things because you're going to completely screw up the production chain and the supply chain and transform it. And you're going to upset the economies of scale that allow us to feed the masses, Adrian, because you don't understand agriculture and agribusiness in the modern world and what it really takes to feed the entire damn world. You know, if you take everything and you completely localize it, you're not going to have the economies of scale and the efficiencies that come into play with mass farm production, which is how we actually are able to feed the masses of people every day that we have with food that is affordable. It's done at scale. But in your little Hitler mind you're still thinking in terms of like just the family farms, which absolutely it's something that we should be looking at to try to preserve in many respects. But the reality of the situation is the only way we can feed the people of the world today is through the use of technology and modern farming practices in order to achieve economies of scales and efficiencies which are off the chart compared to where they were even just a few decades ago. Government of Canada commits to a national plan to reach food independence, aiming for 60% of food consumed in Canada to be domestically produced within a reasonable time frame. Pretty ambiguous. That's okay. We can certainly make sure that we produce, we can have a Serve the Canadian public first policy. That's no problem. But I know where you're going with this. And you said last night you want to nationalize that, which is in contradiction to what you're saying in here too. And what does nationalize mean? It means you want to have the government own the farms or to provide some ownership, but have government control over the whole thing, which is economic fascism. But then you'd like that, wouldn't you? The government shall prioritize the development and implementation of policies and initiatives that support and enhance domestic food production, reducing dependence on foreign imports and ensuring a resilient and self-sufficient food system. La, 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 la. Ah, efforts shall be made to promote sustainable agriculture practices. Sustainable. Here's that word again. SDGs. Crop diversification and the preservation of local food traditions. You will only grow what you traditionally grow. You will no longer grow soybeans, you must grow corn. Fostering a sense of national pride and cultural heritage. Just grow the damn food, feed the people. Do it efficiently. Prohibition of genetically modified organisms, GMOs. Hmm. The cultivation, production, importation, and sale of genetically modified organisms within Canadian borders are strictly prohibited. Well, good luck with that one too, pal, because the whole world has gone GMO. Some people want it. You're eliminating choice. You're also going to, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but if you adopt that policy, some people will starve to death because it's GMOs And that technology that have allowed farmers to achieve yields that are unprecedented. Now, I personally, I'm not a big fan of GMOs, but I also understand them. And and I understand that they are used globally now. So if you're going to produce products in this country that are non-GMO, yeah, we can export them because they're non-GMO but you're going to restrict what you can actually import into the country. And you take that out of the supply chain. Supply will go down. The cost of food is going to go way, way up for a whole lot of people, for everybody that will result in huge inflation. My friend, huge food inflation. That's, that's the truth of the matter. You know, some people are okay with GM. A lot of people are okay with GMOs, Other people are not right now. It's choice, isn't it? You can go to the supermarket and choose to not eat GMOs, or you can choose to eat GMOs. You can choose to buy organic corn or just the corn that is just sitting there called corn, which may have been, I don't know, sprayed with glyphosate, but that's your choice. I'm not a big fan of this or that, but I'm just saying that not everybody will will appreciate this. It's going to result in higher prices is the bottom line. And it's going to complicate the country's ability to trade internationally with agricultural commodities. You know, where do they get the price for corn and soy? Chicago, man. Okay. Okay. So, get real. Research and development programs shall be established to promote the development of non-GMO crop varieties. Promote the development of non-GMO crop varieties that are adapted to Canadian climates and contribute to the long-term viability of domestic food production? Uh... How do you develop crops that are, non-GMO means natural. GMO means genetically modified. So how do you modify something or develop it or develop and modify it unless you're modifying it? It doesn't even make sense. Am I missing something? I don't think so. Maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds just kind of doesn't make sense. Protection against foreign interference or influences. The government shall take necessary measures to safeguard the Canadian food market from foreign interference or influences that may compromise national interests and economic stability. Uh, Yeah. Duh. I hope so. We're supposed to be doing that now unless you have corrupt politicians, but they'll, he'll be the honest politician. Trade agreements and policies shall be negotiated to ensure fair and equitable equitable treatment of Canadian farmers and growers, preventing the dumping of cheap foreign agricultural products that undermine domestic production. Yeah, we already kind of do that. Um, what he's talking about here is tariffs. The government shall support and protect Canadian farmers' rights to own, operate, and manage their farms without undue foreign influence or control. Really? Because last night you said you wanted to nationalize. That means government owns it, or at least government controls it. And you'll see in here in a moment that he actually contradicts himself again. Uh, agricultural investment and support, adequate financial resources and support programs shall be allocated to enhance the competitiveness and productivity of Canadian farmers and growers. Yeah, we already do that, Adrian. We have all kinds of programs in place. Some of them pretty controversial. That's why people are upset about them dumping milk because they cap production. What are you going to do about that one? You're going to be up against the dairy cartel. Good luck with that. Investments shall be made in agricultural infrastructure research and development and technological innovation to modernize farming practices, improve efficiency, and promote sustainable methods. We do that now. But you're going to take GMOs right out of the mix. I'm not a big fan of GMOs, but how are you going to develop new technologies? I don't know. Better farm pickers, I guess. Educational and training programs shall be established to equip farmers with the knowledge and skills needed to adapt to evolving agricultural practices. Yeah, we ha- that's called the Ridgetown Agricultural College, which is just down the street. We do that too. Environmental stewardship and sustainability. SDGs. The government shall prioritize the conservation and sustainable use of natural resources, including soil, water, and biodiversity and agricultural activities. Mm-hmm. That's why they're reducing, or they want to reduce the amount of fertilizer, nitrogen. Sounds pretty similar. Incentives shall be provided for the adoption of sustainable farming practices, such as organic farming. Agroecology and regenerative agriculture that enhance soil health, biodiversity, and ecosystem resilience. You know, in the countries where they've tried some of these things, people have ended up starving to death. And, and there are examples just recently of countries that have tried to do this kind of thing. And they've ended up starving people out. Farmers shall be encouraged and supported in their efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. What? What? mitigate climate change impacts and contribute to Canada's commitments under international environmental agreements. Oh, so he's all in on the Paris climate accord. He's all in on agenda. What 2030 he's all in on the world economic forum. Crap. He's all in on climate change. He's all in on reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So fire up your electric car, folks. Get rid of your pig farms. Reduce your use of fertilizers. We need to mitigate climate change impacts. Sounds just like JT to me. Sounds a whole lot like we've already got. By enacting the National Farmers Constitution Act, Canada reaffirms its commitment to the national interests of food independence, revitalization of food production, and the protection of Canadian farmers from foreign interference or influences. This act recognizes the importance of sustainable agricultural practices, the prohibition of GMOs, good luck, and the promotion of domestic food production to strengthen the nation's food security and economic stability. And I can tell you that under this plan, everything will become far less efficient and prices of food, the price of food will go through the roof. Farmers' rights and protections. The Act guarantees the rights of Canadian farmers to own, operate, and manage their farms without undue interference or control from external entities, ensuring their autonomy and independence. Doesn't say anything about domestic interference. External. He's talking about foreign investment, people from other countries coming in and buying up farmland. That is an issue here, but he ain't talking about his, his government being able to come in and do whatever they want. Farmers should have the right to fair and transparent access to agricultural resources, including land, water, seeds, and credit. Hmm, credit. Yeah, he's going to put you in debt to support their operations and enable their long-term Sustainability. Sustainability. The act prohibits unfair trade practices such as predatory pricing and monopolistic behavior that negatively impact the livelihoods of Canadian farmers ensuring a level playing field in the agricultural marketplace. So price setting is going to set the prices, regulate the industry. Sounds all very socialistic, but that's what he wants. A National Socialist Party. Market support and fair pricing. The government shall establish mechanisms to ensure fair pricing for agricultural products. Mechanisms to ensure fair pricing. Considering production costs, market demand, and the need for farmers to receive a reasonable return on their investment and labor. Yeah, you know what that's called? It's called the Milk Marketing Board, pal. And that's why, as I said... People get upset because they see the farmers dumping so much milk down the drain. That's because they have production caps in order to drive the price up. It's called price fixing. The government does it for the farming cartel, the dairy cartel. So they make a lot of money. We pay way too much at the supermarket and they have tariffs in place to prevent imports from the United States or other countries from coming in, to to provide more supply so the price of milk will be more affordable. He doesn't care about the consumer. It's all about the farmer. Okay. Price, government price setting, price controls, very socialistic. Free markets be damned. And right now we do have, you know, some free market mechanisms in place and, uh, you know, the, the commodity exchanges. The Act encourages the development of local and regional food markets, facilitating direct farmer-consumer relationships and promoting the consumption of locally grown and produced food. Well, okay, that's cool. But mass production is what actually feeds the, ro- the world. The government shall support the establishment of cooperatives and farm farmer-owned enterprises to enhance the bargaining power of farmers and strengthen the position of the supply chain. Risk management. Establish a comprehensive risk management framework to assist farmers in managing various risks, including price volatility, natural disasters. It's crop insurance, dude. We've got that. The government shall provide financial support programs, including crop insurance. Yeah, that's, uh, supposed should have been covered up in 3.1, not 3.2. Income stabilization and emergency assistance to mitigate the impact of unforeseen circumstances on farmers' livelihoods. Okay, well, we've got that. The act encourages the development of innovative financial instruments and tools tailored to the specific needs of farmers, facilitating access to affordable credit, investment capital, capitalism, and risk management products. Except it's all government controlled. Anyway, you're getting the idea here. Um, what's well, collaboration between research institutions, farmers, and industry stakeholders. Yeah, it's all government controlled, dude. Uh, you know, Unless you're getting into the the fascistic system, which I think is kind of where he's going with the the agricultural stuff, it's not just straight up government control and ownership. It's uh, more than that. It's more of a public-private partnership. A lot less private ownership, though. The act recognizes the importance of attracting, supporting new and young farmers to ensure blah 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 blah. Yeah blow and smoke. The Farmers Act stands as a comprehensive policy framework that upholds the rights and interests of Canadian farmers for most domestic food production and ensures a sustainable and resilient agricultural sector. By enacting this act, Canada reaffirms its commitment to supporting farmers protecting their livelihoods and fostering a thriving agricultural industry that contributes to the nation's food security and economic prosperity. I'll tell you this. Uh, under this, with no GMOs, uh, Canadian farmers are going to have a real hard time competing with farmers in other countries. where where they are producing crops using GMOs because their yields are going to be multiple times higher because their crops won't get eaten by insects and Canadian farmers' crops will. And just overall, uh, the Canadian crops will need more moisture, more fertilizer, yields will be much lower. And so if you're trying to export your product and compete on the open market, you're not going to have that product to sell at all. So you're eliminating a product entirely, taking all GMO-grown commodities out of the mix. No longer will Canadian farmers be allowed to produce them and sell them even into the international market like every other country. So... Get out your wallets, folks, because you're going to have to, I guess, subsidize the farmers for the loss of income that they're going to suffer because of that. Now, we can argue till we're blue in the face about GMOs, but that's the economic reality of that. But Adrian's kind of naive that way. Environmental stewardship and sustainable practices. Here we go. So this is all your uh, UN, feel good, Paris Climate Accord, New World Order climate change stuff. The act emphasizes the importance of environmental stewardship and agricultural practices, promoting sustainable farming methods that minimize negative impacts on ecosystems, water resources and biodiversity. Well, sounds real good. You put it into practice and you've got what we've got. Farmers shall be encouraged and supported in adopting practices that enhance soil health can conserve water, blah, 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 collaboration of partnerships. yeah, have the partnerships, the public private partnerships, just like uh, we get with any fascistic economic system. He's repeating a lot of the same stuff here, monitoring and evaluation. The government shall establish a robust monitoring and evaluation system to access the impact and effectiveness of blah, blah, blah. Okay. So here. And he just talks about meeting the nation's food needs, but also contributes to the broader social economic and environmental goals of the country. The sovereign resource economic development plan, a Thunderbird movement initiative. Sovereign. Objective to devise a comprehensive plan that promotes economic prosperity in Canada's oil and gas sectors prioritizes national interests and respects environmental considerations and indigenous rights. Hmm. Yeah, you think that you're gonna fix the concerns about pipelines and all that in one fell swoop. And you know what he's talking about here, folks? He's talking about nationalizing the resource-based industries. Regulatory reforms, we propose a complete overhaul of the current regulations governing the oil and gas sectors. These reforms aim to eliminate bureaucratic red tape, facilitate ease of business operations, business, and ensure the industry's sustainability. The revised regulations will be framed, keeping in mind the unique economic, environmental, and social contexts of Canada. They keep coming back to that use of the word sustainable. Indigenous partnership. Yeah, okay. Environmental Code Amendments. We propose amendments to the existing environmental codes to ensure they align with our national interests. The revised codes will strike a balance between economic growth and environmental sustainability. SDGs, New World Order, Klaus Schwab will be proud. They will prioritize the use of innovative and clean technologies in oil and gas operations to minimize environmental impact. Anti-corruption measures because they'll be the only honest politicians ever. Have you ever heard the phrase power corrupts? To ensure transparency, accountability and efficiency, we propose strict anti-corruption measures. These will include rigorous auditing, a strong whistleblower protection program, and stringent penalties for violations. Okay. Sounds good. National power and sovereignty. The plan emphasizes the reduction of foreign interference in Canada's oil and gas sectors. While we recognize the importance of international collaboration, we believe that decisions on Canada's resources should be made primarily by Canadians. Foreign investments will be closely monitored and regulated to ensure they serve Canada's national interests. Sounds good, but wait till I show you what's coming. Infrastructure expansion are going to expand the pipelines, vital infrastructure, boost the oil and gas sector's capacity. These projects will be undertaken in a manner that respects indigenous rights and minimizes environmental impacts. Environmental impacts, environmental impacts, environmental impacts. New world order, Klaus Schwab, sustainable development, SDGs, blah, blah, blah. Klaus it will be very, very proud of you, my boy. Economic affordability and prosperity. They're going to work to ensure that the benefits of the oil and gas sector reach all Canadians. How do you do that? You nationalize the industry, right? That's the goal. So always what they say. This includes creating jobs, fostering economic growth, and ensuring the affordability of oil and gas products for Canadians' consumers. How are you going to do that? You know, oil is an international commodity. You know, Canada doesn't alone control the price of oil on the international market. If you close off your borders and you just produce oil here, I suppose maybe you could control the price domestically, but it gets a little bit complicated, Adrian, because oil and gas is traded internationally. On exchanges, it's a commodity. The Thunderbird Movement believes that this plan will garner the support of oil companies and the broader community by putting Canada and its people first. We can ensure a prosperous and sustainable future for our oil and gas sectors. The creation of codes and laws is a complex process that involves a deep understanding of the current legal landscape. Wait a minute. I thought you wanted natural law, dude. And you just said that the entire system has to be torn down. And you're talking about the current legal landscape. And you're talking about the creation of codes or codified law. You're just going to give us more of the same. So why do you want to tear down what we have and then just give it back to us? Because you're no damn different. You're full of crap. The creation of codes, codified law, and laws is a complex process. No kidding that involves a deep understanding of the current legal landscape. Why? I thought you're just going to get rid of it. So why do you need to know anything about the current legal landscape if you're going to get rid of it, dude? You don't need to know anything about it. You're just going to create something new, aren't you? That's what you said. Extensive consultations with stakeholders and comprehensive research. Below is a broad outline of some specific steps that could be taken as part of your proposed changes. Note that these changes must still respect international human rights standards. UNDRIP, United Nations, New World Order, Klaus Schwab would be very, very proud of you, my boy. And treaties to which Canada is a signatory, as well as the rights of Indigenous peoples as recognized by the Constitution of Canada. The Constitution? You're recognizing the Constitution, Adrian, because last night you said that Canada is just a corporation, doesn't exist, and that this Constitution of Canada doesn't mean anything. You've said it many, many times, and yet right in here, you're talking about the Constitution of Canada and how you have to recognize it, because you know why? Because you know damn well that the treaties that protect First Nations sovereignty because of agreements between the people of Canada and the First Nations people of peoples of Canada, it's all from right here because this is the people already. So here you are recognizing the damn Constitution after saying that it doesn't exist, that it's a myth. You lying politician. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Shame on you, Adolf. the revised Sovereign Resource Economic Development Act. I thought you were gonna get rid of the Constitution because it's not real, man. Any natural resources found within Canadian territories, oh, get this, get this, oh my goodness. Any natural resources found within Canadian territories are the exclusive property of Canada and its people. Foreign entities may only exploit these resources under strict regulation and with the consent of the Canadian government. Yeah, we kind of already have that. Um, But wait a minute. I thought, like, did, did... So yeah you're going to nationalize everything it's strictly property of the canadian government which represents the people but you see when it's the property of canada the government doesn't really belong to the people it belongs to the government and then the government's you're going to sell it you're going to sell the rights to private companies or private corporations Foreign or domestic. You're just going to regulate the hell out of it. You're going to nationalize it, dude. That's what you said you're going to do. I get it. Because you're a communo-fascist or a communist or a fascist, but you're a national socialist is what you are. You're just going to take control of it. Oh, by the way, section B here the Canadian government retains the right to nationalize any natural resource operations that are deemed to be against the national interest. So in other words, that section right there pretty much guarantees that you are not going to get squat. You're not going to get spit when it comes to international investment into natural resources. You won't get spit. Nobody from another country is going to invest to develop mines, Or oil or natural gas or any of the natural resources here, why would they invest one damn penny in the country to develop any of those natural resources? Why would they bring any investment to the country at all when they know that at a moment's notice, the snap of a finger, the blink of an eye, if you decide you'll just confiscate it, nationalize it, take it away? (coughs) If you decide that it's in, the national interest to do so as the dictator of Canada's new National Socialist or Nazi Party. Why? Why would anybody invest here? You've seen that in other countries where authoritarian governments have come to power and they've nationalized industries and they've chased foreign investment out. They say, you get the hell out of here. It's all ours now. So nobody's going to invest. It's going to be entirely up to you, pal. And maybe that's what some people want. But we've also seen in many countries where they nationalize industries like that, it results in inefficiencies, price issues, production issues, problems exporting products onto the open market. It's not that simple. I suppose it could be done, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. It's going to be a lot of disruption. And in the end, there won't be any, any foreign investment coming in here. The regulatory framework for oil and gas sectors, that means a lot less jobs, by the way. And because also you're shutting yourself off from the rest of the world, economies of scale will be going out the window in all of these industries, agriculture, resources, automotive production, everything. You know, Canada is not a very large country, even today in terms of population. So if you're only producing enough domestically, then you don't have the economies of scale that you have and the efficiencies that come with that when you're exporting products, including natural resources. This is a cockamamie half baked utopian idea that simply will not work in a way that will truly benefit Canadians because prices for everything will go through the roof. You want to see the price of gas when you produce this way, because if you block with tariffs access to this market, because you're no longer participating in the international commodities market, then you're not exporting because those other countries aren't going to let you export products to them. You have to have balanced trade. You can have some tariffs in place and do it on a piecemeal basis, but you can't take these broad sweeping measures and not have a negative impact on the economy and the standard of living overall for all Canadians, including First Nations people. This is naive at the extreme. It's also very socialistic in a very national socialist kind of way. And we all know where you're going with your Nazi symbol, your swastika and your Nazi emblem and your hatred of Jews. And you seem to think it's some sort of a game or something. As I saw you smirk last night, and I saw the hatred in your eyes. I could see into your soul, man, and I pity you. The process for obtaining permissions and licenses will be streamlined to facilitate ease of operations while still ensuring rigorous environmental and economic growth. I'll have to call this lady back. The revised codes will focus on promoting the use of innovative and clean technologies in oil and gas operations. Environment, climate change, Klaus Schwab, New World Order. Any environmental rights or protections not pertaining to Canadian territory interest will be removed from the codes. Indigenous rights and consultation. Mm Mm-hmm. Anti-corruption measures, you're going to stamp out corruption. Yeah, Sure you will. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And what do you want to establish? A dictatorship, as you said last night. Well, I didn't say that I really for sure was going to do it, but I thought it might be a good idea. Yeah, okay, Adolf. Yeah, you're going to get elected, establish a republic, and do exactly what Hitler did. That much is very clear. There shall be no more elections. I will be ruler for life. I hereby proclaim. This will include the creation of strong whistleblower protection. Yeah, we heard all that. Economic prosperity. I don't know who's calling me now. Everybody's calling me. I don't know. Deal with it later deal with it later. too many people I'm in, I'm on a roll man I'm on a roll. I'm telling y'all about the new Nazi party. all the cool kids are doing it. it's the new thing. it's like it's like regurgitating the past regulatory streamlining complete overhaul of current regulations governing oil and gas sectors. To cut through bureaucracy, we we looked at all that, dude. Repeating yourself, elimination of special interest influence. To ensure decision-making in the oil and gas sectors is free from narrow special interests, we will implement strict regulations on lobbying activities. Transparency and accountability will be paramount, with all interactions between the industry and policymakers made public. Yeah, because he's so transparent that last night, he wouldn't tell us who's actually behind him, supporting him financially and otherwise. I can't really tell you right now because it's a great big giant top secret thing. Decentralization and reduction of bureaucracy. Decentralization. We propose decentralizing decision-making processes to reduce the layers of bureaucracy and facilitate quicker, more efficient decisions. This approach will empower local authorities and ensure that decisions are made by those who understand the regional context and challenges best. Uh, okay uh, right sounds good but you know that's called systems you're going to tear the system down and then just rely on the local people to do whatever i don't know environmental code amendments we're going to have amendments to existing environmental codes to ensure they align with our national interests and economic growth objectives the revised codes codified law I thought we'd have a natural... What happened to natural law? We don't need a codified law. We just have the natural law. It's like the law of gravity. If I see this thing over here and I drop the hammer, the hammer will fall to the earth. That's a natural law. Don't need nothing written down on no books. just going to have the natural law. We'll strike a balance between economic growth and environmental sustainability, SDGs. Klaus Schwab. I'm so proud of you, my boy. They will prioritize the use of innovative and clean technologies and oil and gas operations to minimize environmental, blah, 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 blah. National sovereignty and self-reliance. Cut yourself off from the rest of the world. Infrastructure enhancement. We propose the expansion enhancement of pipelines. Yeah, yeah. They're going to solve all the problems in one fell swoop with national Socialism economic prosperity, and affordability. They'll work to ensure the benefits of oil and gas sectors reach all Canadians by nationalizing it. This includes creating jobs through national socialism, fostering economic growth through national socialism, and ensuring the affordability of oil and gas product products for Canadian consumers through national socialism, just like
2: Adolf Hitler.
1: Vote for the National s- naturalist Socialist parties. We're just like the Nazis. Adrian even said so. By putting Canada and its peoples first and by cutting red tape and special interest influence, we can ensure a prosperous and sustainable class, new world order future for our oil and gas sectors. The national, 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 nationalist party, the National Sovereign Resource Economic Development Act. Oh my God, sustainability, right? Number one, Trade right off the top. Clash, Bob, New World Order. Clash, Bob, New World Order. SDGs. 15-minute cities. Don't drive your car too much. Sustainable, sustainable, sustainable. Ah. Sustainable. Clash, Bob. Kiss your feeling. Adrian Thomas. Little Hitler. Little Adolf. Little Adolf. Little Adolf. Wants everything to be sustainable, just like Klaus wants. Just like Christian. Sustainability, a streamlined process for obtaining permissions and licenses will be implemented blah 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 blah. Elimination of special interest influence. If you shall go against my policies, I will the you will be held accountable. Regulations will be established to limit lobbying activities, ensuring transparency and accountability in decision-making processes the energy, oil, and the gas sectors. You shall comply, and we will do it in our way. No outside influence, and if anyone does try to infiltrate, we will hold those infiltrators to account with extreme accountability. measures will be implemented to reduce bureaucratic layers and expedite decision-making within the oil and gas sectors, environmental code amendments, blah, 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 repeating himself, national sovereignty and (laughs) self-reliance. The act emphasizes the reduction of foreign interference in Canada's gas sectors. Laws will be enacted to facilitate the expansion and enhancement of pipelines. Blah, 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 blah. You're repeating yourself over and over again because you really, 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 really mean it. Because you're really, really angry inside. And no one will defy you because you are the National Socialist Parties. And soon democracy will be a thing of the past. Streamlining regulations for greater efficiency. Promoting innovation and technology. Just like Hitler did with his secret space program. And the development of the flying saucers. And the tunnels and the ditch. They have all of the secret things and the cages and they have everything underneath there. You have no idea the power, the power of the dark side of the National Socialist Party of Canada. We will incentivize research and development in the energy sector, encouraging new technologies for energy production, distribution, and consumption. Well, how are you gonna do that, Adrian, when nobody's going to invest? You're going to get no outside investment at all because they know that at any moment you will just confiscate it because you are a national socialist. New World Order, Klaus Schwab. New World Order, Klaus Schwab. Nazi, Nazi. Heil, Heil, the resources, yes. We will give it back to the people, but I will be in charge, for I will be little Adolf. Expanding infrastructure. We propose the expansion of energy infrastructure. Let's build the Autobahn. It's the only thing he's missing. We need more infrastructure. Oh, but that would not be sustainable. Electric cars, Autobahn. Klaus Schwab. No, order. Everything must comply, though, with the Canadian Constitution. Yes. Don't forget, Adrian believes in the Constitution. It's right in there. Says so. In black and white. Somebody's pinging me. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and somebody's saying, don't get mad at me. Um, okay. I'll look at it later. I don't know. Um, enhancing domestic production. I won't get mad. You know who you are. I won't get mad. It's okay. Whatever it is, I won't get mad. I'm not even mad at Adrian. I just roll in my eyes. I pity him. I pity Adrian and his anger. Enhancing domestic production. I don't, I, I don't think we should put Canada first too, dude. I think we should. We have to. We absolutely should be putting Canada first. I'm all for putting Canada first. But I'm not in favor of Nazism. Um, to reduce reliance on foreign energy, blah, 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 blah. Prioritizing national interests because I am a national socialist. I am little Adolf, says Adrian. Klaasch, Schwab, New World Order. Under the principle of putting Canada first, we will ensure that all decisions related to energy policy prioritize national interests while international cooperation remains important. We believe that Canadians must have the primary say on the development and utilization of Canada's energy resources. Yeah. uh, Which Canadians? Oh, yeah, the guy that you're establishing as the dictator. And who would that be? might be him. I don't know. Not really clear. Will it be little Adolf or... Would it be the shadowy, mysterious figure or figures behind him? Or will he just be a puppet? With his strings being pulled by a puppet master from far above. Maybe maybe someone like Klaus Schwab, New World Order. Klaus Schwab, New World Order. The Energy Independence Action Plan puts Canada and its people first cutting red tape, promoting innovation, and ensuring a prosperous, sustainable future for the nation's energy sectors. While these measures, with these measures, we can build an energy-independent Canada that is economically strong and environmentally responsible. Environmentally, environmentally, environmentally responsible, responsible. Climate change, sustainable development, SDGs, Klaus Schwab, New World Order. New World Order. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Klaus Schwab, New World Order, Little Adolf. Little Adolf. My goodness. Just another damn politician. Just another politician. In the end, that's all he is. Said he's going to completely replace the system is a myth. It's just a corporation. But it still comes back to this. This thing right here. Which he seems to want to get rid of, but keep at the same time. He makes no sense. Says the system is broken. Can't trust any of the politicians. Your vote doesn't count. I guess it only... Counts if you vote for him. (laughs) You freaking hypocrite. You freaking hypocrite. All the elections are rigged. You might as well not even bother. Oh, but wait a minute. Vote for little Adolf. Adrian, little Adolf. And the Thunderbird Party, the National Naturalist Nationalists Party, the TNP. Only we will be, we will be the only ones who will not be corrupt. Thunderbird Movement Initiative, Gold Standard. Oh, here's their economic plan. Wow. He's thinking economics. I know he wanted to get into this a little bit last night, and I know there's a whole other layer to this that I don't think is even in this document. And we're going to show this one to you when we come back on the other side. So don't go away. I haven't even read this yet because it came to me so late in the day. But man, I can't wait because so far I'm loving it.
2: The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever. Independent voices are needed. Donate now at FreedomReporters.com. That's FreedomReporters.com. Maverick News. The Anti Virus Program. For Your Mind.
1: Um, Yeah, there were some uh, comments made last night, too. Yeah. Some real witty ones. I watched that show with Adrian. He was attacked by him and his guest, Laurie. So sad. Well, (laughs) we all know who the fascists are. All Maverick does is attack. Yep, that's right. When... Nazis come on the show and we give them a platform and he's supposed to talk about the Indian act. And then, you know, but they come on wearing Nazi symbols. Might have something to say about it. When they literally talk about establishing a national socialist party, just like they had in Germany in world war two. In Canada. Yeah, um, might have something to say about that. People are saying we don't let Adrian talk. Bullshit. I've given Adrian way too much damn time. Let him say way too much. All of them. They lie, misrepresent themselves. We're never really fully transparent. Even when he was on here, wouldn't answer the damn questions. A lot of them. Some of them he did. Might even give him more time. Because I am about free speech. I am about exploring ideas. And we do live in a free country. That is why Adrian is allowed to fly his stupid flag. And it is a stupid flag. Dumb. Really dumb idea. Divides people. Talks about unity. Doesn't really want unity. He wants polarization. I want you to pick a side. Pick a side so you can fight. Pick his side so you can fight the other side. He wants to fight. He wants to fight. He wants to fight not a man of peace. He's angry, very angry inside. You can see it in his eyes, man. You can see it in his eyes. Sad. I pity him. Let's bring this up. Let's look at his gold standard, which I think there's more to this than is going to meet our eye. But, um, We might have him back on to talk about this because he seemed to want to talk about it last night. We didn't actually get to it. And then he decided that it was time to go after we had a fairly lengthy conversation. Here it is Achieving a gold standard in Canada. Achieving a gold standard in Canada, rewriting rewriting the Constitution, eliminating the credit system, and addressing Native American affairs are complex and multifaceted issues that would require significant effort and involvement from various stakeholders. While I can provide you with a general outline of steps that could be taken, it's important to note that these topics involve political, economic, and social considerations, and any changes would require broad consensus and careful planning. So, yeah, we know that he wants to put Canada back on a gold standard of some kind. If he even really understands what that means research and analysis, conduct a comprehensive study to understand the potential benefits risks and implications of adopting a gold standard in Canada. He wants public discourse. So you will consult with the public. If this even comes to pass, this is just an outline. It's not actual policy legislative action. Advocate for the necessary legislative changes to reintroduce a gold standard. That may involve lobbying policymakers, engaging with political parties, and building a coalition of supporters. Constitution rewriting. Amending or rewriting the Constitution is a complex and highly regulated process. Here are some general steps that could be followed. Identify the need, clearly articulate the reasons why the Constitution needs to be rewritten, highlighting specific issues or areas of concern. So, you know, <clears throat> why rewrite a Constitution that we, that you know, we're, we're being told repeatedly is irrelevant because Canada doesn't even exist and that the government doesn't have any authority? And your little trolls like Kellyanne Wolf, who was in the chat last night, basically kept saying so that the government isn't real, but it is. And you know damn well it is because you keep making reference to this, the Canadian Constitution. It's a very real thing. It's a very real document. sure as hell is. Thank you for acknowledging it, Adrian. In many respects, as I read through this, there are many things that we actually kind of agree on. Because I, too, believe that the Constitution should be preserved, but it does have some problems, and we should be making some amendments. Um, By the way, to amend the Constitution, there's a formula in place. You are aware of that, right? It's pretty difficult to do it, as it should be. It should be difficult. Let me just uh, get the wording here so that I don't screw it up. You have to have 50% of the population of all the provinces combined to support it. And you have to have... the 750 formula. So I believe you have to have seven of the provinces to approve it, approve any constitutional amendments. So you need the premiers of seven of the 10 provinces to approve it. And then you need 50%, at least collectively, of the population, of the country, the population represented to in order to amend the Constitution. And that's to make one amendment to the Constitution. Right, I suppose you could you know, have a collective vote on various things, but probably not because each of those issues would be complex. The reason it's difficult is because this document is really meant to limit the power of government, not the people. It protects the people because it limits the power of people like you who would get into power and then throw this thing in the dustbin and rewrite the whole damn thing. It protects us from people like you, Adrian, this constitution and the amendment formula. Do you even acknowledge that in this document? Do you even talk about the the formula? I'm not seeing it here because I don't think you understand how anything works. Not really. But of course, if you're establishing a dictatorship like big Adolf did then you know maybe you don't give a damn about the rules maybe you don't give a damn about the constitution because you don't really give a damn about the people so you want to have a consultative process that's the amendment formula you're going to respect it consultation and collaboration education economic development cultural preservation support Addressing socioeconomic disparities, Mm -hmm. socialism, redistribution of wealth. That's not sovereignty on a personal level, unless you subscribe to a progressive, neoliberal, woke kind of ideology, or a national socialist, Klaus Schwab, New World Order kind of ideology. Collaborative governance foster. Land reconciliation, work towards resolving land disputes and land claims with indigenous communities. This may involve negotiations, legal processes, and the establishment of mechanisms to ensure fair and just outcomes. Sounds like a colonialist kind of approach to reconciliation. And so suddenly now you're in charge and taking the same approach to resolving land claims as the current government. Sounds a lot like what we have. Cultural sensitivity training. Cultural sensitivity training. He's going to re-educate us. Provide cultural sensitivity training to government officials, public servants, and service providers to promote understanding and respectful engagement with indigenous communities. Cultural sensitivity training. Okay. Comply. Obey, comply, obey. Klaus Schwab, New World Order. Cultural sense. You want me to go to a cultural sensitivity training program? All the white people line up and go to cultural sensitivity training. All the Palestinian people, come over here. You have to learn how to treat the First Nations people. All the black people, you line up too. Identity Politics 101. Health and social services improve access to quality health care, mental health services, and social support programs for Indigenous communities. Collaborate with Indigenous leaders and organizations to develop culturally appropriate healthcare models and address health disparities. Okay. Justice system reform. Address the overrepresentation of Indigenous peoples in the criminal justice system, implementing reforms that promote Restorative justice, culturally responsive policing, and alternatives to incarceration. Yeah, that's already actually being done. And the government is actually establishing a dual justice system, one based on a more robustly on common law or the natural law that you claim that you cherish. So they're already doing it. You're just not acknowledging it. We're doing it. We've been doing it before Trudeau got into power, even while he's being in power. And I'm no fan of JT. Economic partnerships, foster economic partnerships between Indigenous communities and non-Indigenous businesses and industries. Support initiatives, okay. That promote sustainable development, clash five, new world order. International standards and obligations uphold Canada's commitments under international human rights frameworks, including the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, align policies and practices with the principles of free, prior, and informed consent. Uh, wait a minute. Were you opposed to UNDRIP? Were you worried about UNDRIP? And yet right in here, you're talking about complying with it. So now, Adrian, little Adolf, is in favor of UNDRIP, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. UNDRIP, Klaus Schwab, New World Order, Little Adolf. So he's all in on UNDRIP, all in on UNDRIP. Did I? Did you catch that? Because he's been telling us otherwise, right? UNDRIP's a trap. Don't blah blah blah. United Nations, they're going to take over all the land but he wants to comply. Klaus Schwab, New World Order. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Long-term commitment, recognize the meaningful progress in Native American affairs, requires sustained commitment and investment over the long-term, blah, 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 blah. I'm losing my mind reading this. Review and assessment. Klaus Schwab, New World Order defining objectives clearly articulate the objectives of re-establishing Canadian policy over international banking. Let me read that again. Clearly articulate the objectives of re-establishing Canadian policy over international banking. Section B, determine the desired level of autonomy and control Canada seeks to regain and C consider the potential benefits of risks and risks associated with greater policy independence. Uh, Okay. I don't think he really understands what he's talking about, but whatever, policy development, engage with experts, economists, and stakeholders from the banking and financial sectors. Uh Uh-huh. But you don't like them. Develop a comprehensive policy framework that aligns with the government's objectives. Oh, by the way, when you develop your new gold-based currency, um, I wonder if the United States might have something to say about it, considering that the US dollar is the World Reserve currency and they might not like what you're about to do. I don't know. Just saying. Autonomy, living right next door to the US, entirely autonomous, you might wanna consult with them because they might be a stakeholder. Consider factors such as Financial stability, economic growth, consumer protection, and competitiveness. Yeah, okay. Legislative regulatory changes. Identify the necessary legislative and regulatory changes to support the new policy. Blah, 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 blah. International engagement. Engage with international organizations such as the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the Financial Stability Board. New World Order. Clash FOB. New World Order. Clash FOB. So you want to get in bed with the IMF, baby. You want to get in bed with the international bankers. Huh. How does that work? Doesn't even make sense. Big Adolf, I don't think would approve. But I think this is just you being real confused, dude. Because I thought we were, we were supposed to not like those guys anymore and decouple from them, right? And become independent. But you want to engage, quote, Section 5A, engage with international organizations, globalist, such as the International Monetary Fund, IMF, World Bank, and Financial Stability Board globalist fascist isn't this what we're supposed to be fighting against monitoring that's what you said that's what you told people now we've got it in writing seems like there's something else going on here monitoring and evaluation establish mechanisms to monitor the effectiveness and impact of the new policies regularly evaluate the outcomes and make necessary adjustments to optimize the policy framework seek feedback from industry stakeholders experts and the public to ensure transparency and account- <laughs> this is what it, this is how much it makes sense <laughs> the relationship between native american policy and the dismantling of the gold standard in canada is not directly related the 1972 decision to abandon the gold standard was an economic policy decision made by the canadian government <clears throat> actually richard nixon well native and his government Well, Native American policy pertains to the rights, land, and self-governance of indigenous peoples in Canada. Canada just kind of had to go along with it. If you believe that the dismantling of the gold standard in Canada is unconstitutional and needs to be addressed, you may consider the following steps. Legal analysis. Consult legal experts to assess the constitutionality of the decision to abandon the gold standard. Comes back to the old constitution. The constitution that keeps saying doesn't matter isn't real, because Canada's a myth. But it isn't. Cause you're full of crap. You're full of crapola. All these people are so full of it. <laughs> Jeez. Just, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Taxation on trade, technology, and resources. Somebody's done a lot of work here. Some of this is actually pretty sound advice. It's just contradictory. It contradicts everything that he has been saying. Every damn thing. System's broken. Counter's just a corporation. We need natural law, not Canadian law. Old standard policies. The Thunderbird Movement Initiative promotes fiscal responsibility, monetary stability, and transparent financial practices. You know what, dude? If you ain't getting international investment, because you know the big resource companies, international resource companies like say BP, right, British Petroleum, or Exxon. Say if you ain't or whatever. Pick pick any international investment, there's no international money coming in because they know you're you're ready and willing to confiscate their property at any moment, then you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go into debt. You're going to need to finance it yourself. That's the truth. And where are you going to get the money for that? If you're cut off from the rest, you're going to have to borrow it. Where are you going to get that? International Monetary Fund. World Bank. You have to borrow it from other countries. What are you going to back that up with? What collateral do you have? Where are you going to get the gold to back up your currency? Do you have the money for that? How are you going to buy the gold? Going to mine it? How long is that going to take? You haven't thought this thing through, man. Thunderbird Initiative firmly believes that the welfare and voices of Canadians should be at the forefront of policy decisions. Yeah. Then why yesterday did you say that we maybe need a monster who is a dictator in charge? Klaus Schwab, New World Order. Maybe the people around you don't even believe you. Maybe the people who helped you put this thing together don't even believe you public awareness and engagement conclusion the thunderbird movement initiative sets forth a comprehensive and visionary plan to prioritize the well-being of canadians and promote a better canada by embracing gold standard policies and placing people before government policies we can build a stronger education system foster innovation develop robust infrastructure ensure social security enhance national defense capabilities strengthen internet security and establish fair taxation practices Through collaboration, constitutional amendments, public engagement and constitution and continual evaluation, we can create a prosperous and resilient Canada that serves the interests of its people. Let us unite under the Thunderbird Movement initiative and embark on this transformative journey towards a brighter future for all of the Canadians. Hmm. Lau New World Order. System's broken. Don't get involved. Your vote doesn't count. Just vote for me because I'm a politician. Just like all the rest, only far, far worse. The Thunderbird Movement Initiative lays the foundation for a transformative journey towards a better Canada through effective implementation, collaboration, constitutional amendments, public awareness, and continual evaluation. This initiative aims to empower Canadians and ensure their well-being and prosperity. By leveraging the expertise, resources, and participation of diverse stakeholders, we shall forge a path towards a more educated, re-educated, sensitivity education for everyone. Innovative, secure, and sustainable future. Let us unite. unite! Unite! Unite, unite. Under the Thunderbird Movement initiative, working together to shape policies to promote the peoples. Yeah, you're full of it. System's broken. Canada's a myth. Constitution isn't real. Don't bother to vote. You don't, your voice doesn't count. He's opposed to globalism. So he wants to get in bed with the IMF, establishes a political party to adhere to all the rules of Elections Canada, run Paul, I guess, candidates across the country at some point. Whatever, man. Bunch of crap. Nobody going to vote for you. Not, Not when you're leading the charge with a swastika. Never thought I'd see the day in this country. Never thought I'd see the day. Where someone would come forward and establish a political party inspired by the Nazis. And to go so far and to be so offensive as to actually reconstitute and reuse the swastika. And you've stated publicly that it would be just like what we saw in Germany. Sorry, but we have to do that, she says. No, we don't. Shameful. Shameful. I also think there's something more to your economic policy. I think you're up to something with your currency. You got something up your sleeve something going on with that. Maybe we'll have you back on so we can find out what that is. Maybe not. Some people have accused me of not letting you talk. How many hours have we given you on this program? How much time did I just give you tonight? Which might've been a mistake. Just even telling people about you and your stupid, stupid party and your stupid flag. (laughs) Telling people because you seem to be getting a little bit of traction. People need to be warned. National Socialism. Disgusting. Coming at just the right time. Isn't that a coincidence? Just as we're getting this huge surge in anti-Semitism, just when there's this war breaking out, Just as we're on the verge of World War III, and yet you can't tell us who it is that's standing behind you, propping you up. Who is it, Adrian? Who's behind you? Who's behind your party? Who's out there in the shadows? Canadians deserve to know. You're a politician now. And what I, is what I'm saying upsetting you a little bit? Get used to it, pal. Because the heat in this kitchen Now that you're a politician might just get a little bit hotter. Might just get, you know, heat just might get turned up just a little bit. Because that's what happens with politicians. Comes with the territory. Criticism. Canadians deserve better. Canadians don't want this. The truth is, I don't think you have that much support at all. You brought a few friends in here the other night to hit me in the in the chat. Big deal. You don't have support. Canadians aren't going to support you. They're not going to support that. Even First Nations won't support you. Not in the end. They're not supporting you, really not right now. Ultimately, people are gonna to come to their senses too with regard to all this division, this hatred. This is being ginned up by the mainstream media, the independent media, media in general, people, psyops, and they're gonna leave you in the dust. And I'll tell you something else, man. What you're promoting But we're seeing right now between Israel and Palestine, there will be, I fear, Nuremberg Trials 2.0. I hear people talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And most, you know, generally speaking, people who say these things don't have a bloody clue how the system really works or how the ICC works and the international courts. Don't have a clue they don't realize that what they're saying will never come to fruition and that, uh, you know, there's another legal path to resolution on issues like vaccines. But it's not through Nuremberg 2.0. That's not going to happen, but there could be Nuremberg 2.0. And you know why? Because of everything we're seeing over there uh, between Hamas and Israel and Hezbollah These other countries that are coming online, coming on stream with this, we're seeing the atrocities, we're seeing war crimes committed right now and in some cases actually recorded on social media. And yep, it's so horrific and we are witnessing potentially, I think we are witnessing genocides. And we are seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. We are seeing a rise in hatred directed at specific groups of people. And if it escalates, things can get ugly all over the world. And, you know, the people who support these things, the people who subscribe to these things, when the time comes... There might just be extreme accountability, extreme accountability for people who are actually taking extreme measures right now and embracing extremist ideologies and promoting them, leading them. Because, you know, at the end of a war, soldiers really are um, often. Excused because they don't really have a choice, they follow orders or they die. That's the deal. So, when the fighting stops and the killing stops, it's because at a certain point, the winning side says, Enough, we've had enough justice, if you want to call it that, or revenge. but the people who are always held accountable are the leaders, the people who promote the ideology or the ideologies, the people who lead people into the fray, usually from afar, like in a office or a glass tower someplace. Far away from the actual fighting, insulated from it while they let others run out there like pawns, cannon fodder. But it's the leaders, it's the leaders that will, if there is a Nuremberg 2.0, it'll be because of the atrocities we're seeing right now. It'll be because of the atrocities there yet to come. It'll be because of the atrocities committed because of people who promote extremist ideologies. Crazy, dark, twisted ideas into people's heads, just like Big Adolf did back in World War Two. And we saw some of those people. We saw some of those people on trial. We saw some of those people sentenced. There was extreme accountability for them. And as I've been saying, a lot of people seem to know history. It's just unfortunate that people haven't learned the lessons, the best, the good, the, the the real lessons of history, because it seems like a lot of people right now maybe do know some history. And I think you do know some history, Adrian. I think, uh, I think you do. Even though you've disingenuously pretended to not know about certain things like Asmin, which you said you, you acknowledged last night, you just blurted it out. You knew exactly what Asmin was, First Nations group. But in a previous interview, you said, well, Asmen, What's that? Liar, deception. But it's the leaders who are held accountable in the end. Because you're the ones who give the orders. You're the ones who put the ideas into people's heads. You know, so if you're a leader, man, you better be careful what you, what you bring to the table, what you promote, what you're putting into people's heads. Better be careful what those symbols might make people do. You know, cause what, what, what do you think those symbols are going to do to people? The swastika? So full of crap. You scare me. You really do. Scare me. You scare me. Not because I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of what you stand for. I'm afraid of where you're taking people. I'm afraid of what you stand for. Because I know where it goes. That's not Canada, man. (laughs) Never was guilty of a lot of things. Every country is guilty of some things. Canada has its, uh, has its warts. It's got a lot going for it too. still a great country. It's damn well worth saving, really saving. not undermining, fixing, really fixing. There's a lot in there that I could actually agree with. All the stuff that I just read tonight, unfortunately, in your case, what you're really promoting, I know where that goes because it's all predicated on a foundation of lies, deception, hate, a regurgitated, reconstituted ideology that's already led humanity to disaster in the past. We were supposed to learn from it
2: Not reuse it.
1: Wow. Adrian. I think that's enough. It's quite enough. I'll be back tomorrow night, folks. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I love you guys. Good night, Canada. Catch you on the flip side.
2: This
3: has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.